We are learning Tafchav Kimo. We're starting three lines down from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Ayisha Shinadra Benazir, a woman who made herself into an Azirah, and she's trying to sin. She's intentionally going ahead and drinking wine, touching the dead bodies. She's trying to amaze it, do that there. Haritz is a fact that says, and then that's the punishment, right? So, Losa Sinatara, Lavshi Yishpo Maisa, so you get, uh, she gets Malkas. However, what happened? Hafer Labala, Yilo Yada, Shafer Labala. The husband made Hafara. But she's not aware that her husband had made that far. So this is different than what we learned about until now. Until now, we discussed about, let's say the husband does it, is it retroactive or only for the future? And we came out as only for the future. But in our case, what's happening is that the husband was made for, let's say, 2.30 p.m., but he didn't inform his wife. Remember, to be made for a nether, you don't have to tell the spouse that it was done. You could just do it. So the husband was made for the nether. So now she's not an Azir anymore, but she's not aware that she's not an Azir anymore, anymore. And she's still going with intention to sin. So she goes and she drinks the wine or she touches the dead body. She doesn't receive the lashes. And the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that even though she's trying to sin, and it's more than trying, it's attempting with action. Right? She, she, she thinks in her mind she's in Nazareth and that's what she's drinking wine, but the bottom line is the reality is that she wasn't in Nazareth because her husband had already revoked the vow. So if the husband had revoked the vow, done how far, even if she thinks she's in Nazareth and that's why she's drinking the wine in order to sin, but there's no lashes. Rebusa says, you're right. On the technicality, she's getting off here, but she still receives the, the malchus which are given to rebellious people. So this is a form of the Rabbanan malchus. Bar just literally means like a morit, someone who's rebelling. But um, but the point is that it's just an, an extra an extra punishment with Rabbanon, even though technically she's Potter. So the Gemara elaborates. Tana Rabbanon. Isha hafeiram. The Pasuk is talking about a husband annulling the vows. It says the husband has annulled the vows. Hashem And Hashem will forgive her. So what does it mean and Hashem will forgive her? The husband annulled the vow. Fine. Very good. What does that have to do with forgiveness from Hashem? What's the Pasuk talking about? The Pasuk is talking about Amamish, our scenario. Where the husband had revoked the vow, the wife was unaware. She's If she goes ahead and she drinks the wine, she needs atonement and forgiveness. So what's the pasuk saying? The pasuk is saying that um, the pasuk is saying that even though she's not punished, but she still needs an atonement. Now let's just elaborate just a little bit. Without the pasuk, what would someone have thought? Someone would. It sounds like the pasuk shot is without the pasuk. Someone would say she doesn't. You know that that, that she didn't. She didn't do anything wrong. Uh, she wasn't in zero, and therefore there's no atonement necessary either. Meaning it's not. It's not a sin. And the pasuk is being mechadesh that it is a sin. She doesn't get malchus, but Hashem law, God will forgive her. Meaning to say, she doesn't need to receive the regular lashes that are given to someone who sins normally. But we see in the pasuk. Hashem law that she needs a form of atonement. That's certainly the Pashup shot. The Rambam, though, very curious Rambam. The Rambam's mashma, Rambam's dafka, the opposite. That without the Pashup, he would have said, Misfar, she gets lashes. Because the Maisa, she was trying to sin. Hashem law is coming to take it down a notch and saying, Lamaisa, God forgive her. And she doesn't get. It. So either way, the question is just what the angle on the Pashup is. But either way, the outcome of the Pasuk is that when the woman tries to sin and because she thought she was in Nazir and her husband had been made for her, she does not get lashes, but there's an automatic atonement that comes from my Kaddish Baruch. What's the obvious kasha on all of this? The obvious kasha on all of this is that, what do you mean? Isn't there an idea that our Kaddish Baruch is not Mitzari from Ashava Rala Maisa? So what's this idea that is considered some form of sin that she needs an atonement for what she's done even though she's not getting lashes? The Achronim explained, the Lambdas here is is that it's not just that she has fantasy of sin, contemplates sin, thinks about sin. She does it in action. She did something which in her mind is a sin. Now, the reality is it wasn't a sin because she's not in a zero, but it's very different than just a thought. It's very different. 
she did the action which in her perception was it's in. And that's here where it's saying. Now, says the Gemara, shall we give it? I'll show you my Gia, Rabbi Akiva. It's a possible Rabbi Akiva would learn this possible. In this lesson, he would cry. What did he cry about? Imagine person who was trying uh, to, to grab the piece of pork. And by mistake, he got the kosher piece of meat in his hand. We see over here that he needs a totem, right? That's, that, that's the equivalent of our case. He thinks he's eating the pork and he's really eating the lamb. So what we learn from here is how severe it is to eat pork, right? Someone who's going and goes for the pork and gets the pork and eats the pork, all the more so that uh, what, what sort of um, atonement is necessary for a regular out there. Okay, once we learn this lesson, now we learn another lesson like this. Similarly, you say, if a person sins, he didn't know, he's guilty, he needs his atonement. So here, what are we talking about? Ashram Tali. Ashram Tali is where a person um, is not sure if they sinned, right? The classic case is two pieces of meat, one, one's chalev, one's shuman, you ate one, you don't know what, what it is. So, so the law is that you bring an ashram tali. Until you find out whether or not it was actual sin, you might need uh, some protection from the suffering that you might get from the Yisurin, and therefore you bring the karma. So So this person who was a really, uh, who could be intending to get a, a lamb's meat, and he gets pork. For example, he had in front of him one piece that was possibly kosher and one piece that was possibly not. So in other words, he ate it thinking it was kosher. He, he didn't know. In the case that we're saying, it was just one piece of meat and he thought it was good. The Pasuk says, hey, you, 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 you were eating it thinking it was definitely kosher, and then you find out that it may have been trade. The Pasuk is saying you have to get atonement. Because you may have eaten trade. Even though in your mind you thought you were eating kosher, but because it turns out that it may have been trade, if you need atonement. Someone who is intending to eat the pork and he gets pork, all the more so that he is guilty. So this interpretation is coming from a different angle, where a person has one piece of meat and he thought he was kosher. And it turns out it may have been kosher, it may not have been kosher. He needs atonement for what he did because he may have eaten trade. So all the more so someone who intentionally sins. Says the Gemara, just a little bit of a tweak on the same case. Yisi ben Yehuda, Omer Yisi ben Yehuda teaches. In a case where a person was trying to get kosher meat, but instead he got something which may have not been kosher, like in the example where there were two pieces of meat, one was kosher, one was not, and he ate one thinking was kosher, and then it turns out he doesn't know which one it was. The Torah is saying he's, he has to bring the Ashram Tali. Uh, if he eats, if he goes for the pork and gets the pork, all the more so he's guilty. You do have a over this, even all the people who are sensitive will, you know, they, they mourn over this. They realize how, how scary sin is. So that what Isi ben Yehuda is changing is one point and one point only. That he holds the chiv of Ashram Tali is not in a scenario where you have one piece of meat and you're not sure if it's kosher. The chiv of Ashram Tali is only if there's two pieces of meat and one was kosher and one was not and you ate one. <clears throat> that this subtlety is explained in the, in the Gemara increases that Ashram Tali is only when it's Ikva Yisura. There was certainly Isra that was there, you just don't know if you encountered it. If you have one piece of meat, you just don't know what it is, then according to these opinions in the Tanam, you're actually exempt from the Chiv. You're only Chayv Ashram Tali where there were two pieces and, 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 and you, ate, you ate one believing it was kosher and then it turns out, hey, it may have been the Treif one. So either way, Isra and Yehuda and the Tanakam are both expressing though the same sentiment. The same sentiment that they're saying is, look at the Chiv of Ashram Tali. You don't even know if you sin and you're not trying to sin and the Torah says you need atonement. So in a scenario where a person is trying to sin and they sin, all the more so, the, there's, there's a tremendous sense of guilt. So now the Gemara asks, so why do I need all these Pesukim telling us about the, you know, the severity of atonement? Like, 
We're learning one lesson from Hashem Yislach Even when the woman, Azira, didn't try to sin, was trying to sin, and, 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 and Lomaisa didn't end up as a sin, but she needs atonement. We see there. And then we see here that you need atonement for someone who's thinking they were eating kosher, and then uh, it turns out that it may have been a suffix up there. It's all the same lesson. You know, Hashem, more or less, it's the same lesson, which is that, 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 that any association with sin is very, very strong. So the Mark explains, no, the truth is that they are very different lessons. If you just told me the case about the Nazira was trying to break her vow, there, she needs to tell me, she's trying to sin. Right? That's the whole point of our case by the Nazira. She's intending for Israel. In the case of someone who had the pieces of meat of the fat in front of him, they're not trying to sin. They're trying to eat something which is permitted. So then it just turns out, oh, there's actually an issue in front of them. I would say maybe they don't need to tell me because they didn't have any malicious intent. And if you only told me in the second case, I would say there you need atonement because there was definitely Lamaisa Isser. He may have eaten non-kosher food, meaning in the reality, he may have eaten non-kosher food. Forget about his intent. But in the reality of what he swallowed, he may have swallowed non-kosher food. But in the case of the Isha, yeah, she tried to sin. But Lamaisa, her husband, was made for her. So there was no Isser that was done. Maybe she doesn't need atonement. Stop the Torah. No, she needs both. Let's say the Torah told us only these two cases, the case of the Nazira and the case of someone who ate a piece of meat that may have ended up being Maybe here, there's no actual punishment, just it's an automatic atonement because there was no prohibited object, right? In other words, in the, both in the case of the Nazira, she didn't do the Isra, and in the case of the one piece of meat, which he thought was kosher, and it turns out it may have been Isra, so there was no certain presence of Isra. But in the last case, where there were two slices, one kosher, one kosher, where the prohibited iser was present for sure, so it's an extra chumrah, because for sure there was iser, the question is only if you encountered it. I would say, maybe atonement doesn't suffice. In other words, maybe you don't get off the hook just with bringing a carbon. The Torah tells us, no, the mice, there is no difference. So whether it's a case, there's one piece of meat, you're not sure what it was, or it turns out there were two pieces of meat, you may have encountered the iser. Even in all those cases, you need atonement, um, but you get the atonement. So after all is said and done, we are connecting thematically all these things because they're associated with possible sin, but in very different angles. By the Nazir, it's the thought of sin. And by these cases of the meat, it's the, it's the possible encounter with sin. And we're saying whether it's one piece of meat that had a suffix or two pieces of meat in which one you encountered, either one, there is an element of kapar which is necessary, but a person could achieve that. All right, so now we go we get off on a long tangent here, which is all about, you know, the thoughts that a person has when they're doing actions, how much they impact, whether it's a sin or not. What's the meaning of the passage? The roads of Hashem are always straight. Now, in other words, Hashem gives us the opportunity to do mitzvahs. It's always, that's always good. It's a straight road. What happens is, though, so the righteous walk on the road, right? Everything's great. They walk on the way of the mitzvah. Upotion, but the transgressors, they stumble in them. So meaning to say somehow they're on the same road. The, the transgressor is on the same road going to do the mitzvah. But whereas the tzaddik just walks and everything's good and he does the mitzvah, the stumbler, the, the, the poshim, the sinner somehow stumbles over the mitzvah itself. What, what, what's an example of that? How do I have a, 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 a tzaddik and a posheh both on the road of a mitzvah and yet the tzaddik comes out good and the posheh stumbles? It's comparable to a person. People, they went and they rose to their karma pasach. So they have karma pasach to eat, a mitzvah from karma pasach. One ate it for the purpose of doing the mitzvah with a good hearty appetite. The other one ate it like a glutton after he was totally full. 
The one who aided to do the mitzvah, he, he's, that's the righteous one. He's fulfilled the mitzvah, everything's great. The other one who aided like a god and he's a transgressor and he stumbles into it, stumbles through it. So, in other words, it's as if he's done something wrong because he ate the carbon as an achila gasa without an appetite. So, the Gemara says that analogy is not right. I understand. He ate it as Achila Gaza. So maybe you want to say it wasn't a good mitzvah. But you're going to tell me that he's a wicked, uh, wicked person. Yes, he didn't do it in the best possible way. He certainly has still fulfilled the mitzvah. So the Rishonim, I'll jump all over this. Is this true? Is it true that if you eat the Karm Pesach as Achila Gaza, you're still Yotze? The Gemara seems to say, oh, he's only not ideal, but I say he ate it. So the Rishonim explained there's two types of Achila Gaza. This type of achila gasa, loshme achila, where it's not considered eating at all, even on Yom Kippur, your potter. It's where you're so like repulsed by the food that it's 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 it's, it's you know it's totally nauseous to you to eat it whatsoever. That's taka not achila at all. But that's not what Arkema is referring to. Arkema is referring to someone who is you know he's not hungry anymore, but he's not nauseated by eating. And that's what the Gemara means that it can't be that. So what's the obvious question on that? So may, let the Gemara be talking about someone who Taka has no appetite whatsoever and didn't eat it. The answer is, and I think this is, this is the idea, that there it's not a question of his thought and his plan. It's more of a question bachla, of, of, his, of his eating. That's also not a good illustration. Stam, he didn't eat bachla. It's not two people on the road of a mitzvah. One did it in the right way, one did it in the wrong way. Just one guy ate and one guy didn't eat. Elamai, of course, we're talking about that they both ate. Just one ate without an appetite. Okay, it's a fact to Gemara then. He's not, he's not stumbling over the mitzvah. He just didn't do it ideally. And not every person who didn't do a mitzvah ideally is, 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 is an issue that they're, that they're considered a, a, a rasha. So Gemara gives another case. Two different men. And they have the same scenario occurs to both of them. Separately. Same scenario occurs separately to both of them. What's the scenario? They're, they're both their wife and, and, and his sister are with them. This one also has his wife and his sister with him. It's dark. This one, he didn't know who he was having to be with, but it happens to be it was his wife, so he didn't do anything wrong. That was the other story. It was dark for him, and he ended up having relations with his sister. So that's the pshat. One stumbles and has, has to be with his sister, one stumbles and has to be with his wife. Neither one of them seems to be better than the other one. It happens to be by luck, by, luck, by chance. One was able to get his wife, one got his sister. So that's Kufa, but the Pasha the is saying, the Pasuk is saying is that they're both on that same scenario, both on the same road. One by lock, the Tzadik doesn't sin, and then the Pasha ends up sinning. With the Pasuk's mashma, that is one, there's one road which can either become a righteous road or a Rosh Hadika road. Here, there are two different roads, meaning, what's the Gemara's question? They didn't do the same thing. One had Bia with his sister, and one had Bia with his wife. The Pasuk seems to be mashma, we're talking about the same action. That for a tzaddik is good, and for a pot, and for and for the, the the sinner he stumbles over. Not that they did different things. So the gemara is a different mashal. Allah mashal of the shape of him is in It's a mashal of what happened with Lot and his two daughters. Remember what happened is that they survived so many more. They thought that they were only, that that their father was the only one man left standing in the entire world. So they wanted to keep the world going. So they 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 got him drunk and they had relations with him. They right they had children and the children from them were Ammon and Moab. So, so what happened was, the daughters, had, they had a good intention. Meaning, yeah, they were sleeping with their father, but they had the right intention. They thought they were keeping the world going. So there, for them, it's not a sin. That's the Dikim Yochubah. They are the righteous walking the way. Whereas Lot intended for a sin. The Gemara criticizes Lot. Gemara says that Lot intended for the wrong thing. That's the transgressor stumbling in. So meaning just the intent. They can do the same act. They was the same act together. 
But for them, it was righteous acts. It was Sadiqim, and for him, it was a vicious. How do you know what Lot's intentions were? Maybe Lot had in mind for the to help the world. No, the whole Pasuk shows us that Lot was bad. Why? Because the Pasuk says, uh, that, What is that related to? It says Lot is raising, right? He's looking, he's raising his eyes to look out. So that, what does it mean to raise? His master's wife raised her eyes. So we see it's always related to sin. Essay now, his eyes, she is fine in my eyes. That's also relation. We're relating each of the words in the Pasuk to a case of promiscuous actions. Mashke was all water, watered land. So in all these contexts, all the words of where love, where Lot is looking out at the land of, 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 of stone and choosing it, each word in the Pasuk is connected to a different place in Tanakh that's talking in context about promiscuous activity. So therefore we say that Lot must have been a bad guy. If he must have been a bad guy, so you don't, there's no way he had a good thought in that action. And with his daughters, rather, he had in mind the wrong thing. Frankly, Omar, the obvious question, Hamenes, honest. what was the story? He was drunk. He was an ones, right? We always say Shachrus or Sholot is like the, you know, that most extreme type of drunkenness where he has no clue what's going on. So if they got him drunk and then they, then they have relations with him, he can't be guilty. He's, he, he, he's not, his actions aren't responding, not responsible for what happened. So the Gemara says, Why in the, if you look in the Torah, there's a dot over the letter Vav in the word Uvekuma. When the, when, the first, when the first daughter, right, when she gets up, there's a dot. Why is there a dot? When she laid down with him, Lot was unaware. And when she got up in the morning, when she was finished, then Lot knew. So therefore, what? what's the point? He found out about it at the end. Okay, that doesn't help us. What could he do? It already happened. The next night, he shouldn't have drunk wine. Meaning, what happened? The older daughter slept with him, got him drunk and slept with him the first night. He realized this afterwards. So the next night, when he, why would he get drunk again? He knows what's going to happen, the younger daughter. So Agufa, therefore, we say he intended for the wrong thing. The bad stuff happened. So that's the, so that's the king of the Pasuk. Even though the Tzadikim are, are going on the way of God. Now we talk more about low. We have a, a bad brother that comes from a strong city. The Pasuk goes on to say, that, that fightings um, break, break down the bar of the castle. So what does this mean? A bad brother from a strong city. Avram is the strong city. And the brother... And the rebellious brother is Lot. He's separated from Avram. And the fighting causes the, the bar of the castle to be broke down. Lot causes fighting um, that was as strong as like a bar, the, the castle bars between Klal Yisrael and Amun and Moab. Meaning to say Lot's children are Amun and Moab, right? That's what happened for the two daughters. And by him separating from Avram, look at where, what happened. Amun and Moab now have a din in the Torah, that they can't marry the Jewish people. Now it's very interesting because the reason they can't marry the Jewish people is nothing to do with Lot, right? He didn't do anything wrong. And that, that's just the eventual playing out in his descendants about the stories that they encountered, right? They, they, they didn't give us water. They, they hired Bilam. Whatever the Torah says are the reasons why they're not allowed to marry in. But what the Gemara is saying is that ultimately it's all, all attributed back to Lot. And his separation from Avram is very interesting, like historical perspective that the Gemara gives. Like we see everything in its origin, in its inception. And, and, and we see the roots of all the issues that came out with Amun and and why they can't come into Kali Yisrael. All of them are somehow rooted in Lot's separation from Avram. 
Says the Gemara, another interpretation of the Pasuk in Mishlei. Someone who keeps himself separate for his own desire, but he's open um, to wisdom. So what is this? He keeps himself separate for his desire. That's Lot. He separated himself from Avram because he wanted to sin in, in, by himself. But he's open to the wisdom. It means that the shame of Lot is known in every single base magic. In the places of wisdom, everybody knows about how bad Lot is. Where do we know this? Everybody knows. So Lot goes, he separates himself from the base medrash, from Avram Avinu, in his desire to fulfill whatever sin he wants. And then the Midah Kenegan Midah punishment is that in the base medrash, by Avram Avinu, everybody talks about Lot. We all talk, We know Tamar had immoral relations. She slept with Yehuda and Zimri. That's the whole story with um. From the Zimri, who was the, the Nasi of Shimon, he sleeps with, he has adultery with Kuzbi, the Moabite girl, and look at the, the, he also has immoral relations. Tamar, since he has what happened? Tamar, she had good intentions. That's the whole thing with the story with Yehuda. She sees Mashiach come from him, right? King's Mashiach. Zimri, uh, when Zimri had relations with the Moabite girl, what happens? Uh, you know, there's a huge plague in Klai's story. Tens of thousands of people are dying. So you see, sometimes it's not about the action, it's about the thought. Says the Gemara, the interesting concept of Someone who could sin with the right intention can have greater merit than someone who does a mitzvah for an ulterior motive. Very interesting. Avera lishma, the concept of doing avera for the right reason, can be higher and more merit and get have more merit than a mitzvah for the wrong reason. That a person should, shouldn't hold back from doing the Torah and mitzvahs for ulterior motives. It's good to do it for ulterior motives. Why? Because from doing the Torah, eventually you come to do it for the right reason. So why are we, why are we hating on Torah? We're not saying it's greater than, but we're saying it's equal to a mitzvah done for an ulterior motive. A sin done for the right reason is not greater than a mitzvah, but it's equal to a mitzvah. Where do we get this idea that an Aveir Lishma has tremendous merit? We talk about the story with Yael. Just we know the story with Sisra. She caused the whole thing that Sisra was a giant and he was attacking Israel, And she ends up luring him into his tent, sleeping. She sleeps with him and then she kills him. She takes the, the peg of the tent and she, she stabs him. So it says, It says she'll be blessed. This woman, the Yael, the, the, the wife of Chavah the Kenny, she'll be blessed, the woman in her tent. My What does it mean? She'll be blessed, the women in the tent. It means, the Pasuk is trying to say, like, she has the huge merits, like, you know, one of the most for, for the actions that she did. So it sounds like that's an Avera Lishma. Right? That's Asha says she did adultery. But it was Avera that she did Lishma in order to be Maso Klaus. It's very interesting how she was allowed to. We should have a whole discussion about this. Right, with Gila Arias, is it one of the cardinal sins? Here it is. Basically, it ends up that to save all of Klai Yisrael, you're allowed to do anything. That's what it comes out. Even one of the Gimel Chamuras. But if, if, if the purpose isn't, you know, personal predicament you're in, but if the purpose is Hatzal is called Yisrael, you have a new Hatzal. And that's the concept of what Yael did. Continues the Gemara, Amar Bilchon and Sheva, Bilas Balas, Rosh Bosha, Sisra performed seven separate acts of intercourse with Yael that time. Shinamar Bain Raglau, between her legs, Kara, Nafal, Shachab, and the Pasuk goes on to say, Bain Raglau, Kara, Nafal, Kashar, Kara, Sham, Nafal, Shachab. So all the different 
um, uh, words of, of falling and bending and laying, they, they all interpreted it as a lashon of intercourse, and they were saying that he had seven different acts. She's having pleasure. So what's the kasha? She's having pleasure. No, what's the kasha? So Pashrusha, you'll say, so how is she allowed to do it? But that's what we just said. So what's the Gemara's question? So they showed him explain why is the Pasuk praising her so much? Meaning like, she did what she had to do, fine. But why is the Pasuk, you know, heaping on all this exceeding praise if she pleasured from that there? Meaning if someone does it altruistic, and she saves all Kali, so okay, beautiful. But if she also has pleasure from it, then we should tone down the amount of praise that we give to her. So the Gemara says, no, it's not true. She had no pleasure. Everything that the wicked people would consider pleasurable for the tzaddik is actually painful. She got no pleasure. Be careful from speaking Yaakov, good or bad. We understand why Lovin wasn't supposed to say anything bad to Yaakov. Why is he warned not to say anything good to Yaakov? Because anything that he would think is good is actually bad. No, we see that from here. Interesting concept. So she doesn't get any pleasure whatsoever. What's the pshat? There's no pleasure whatsoever. It seems, you know, there's all sorts of zuama uh, and bad associations with Bia, with a guy which made it completely undesirable and unpleasurable for Yael. Says the Gemara Gufa, Amar Vidu Marav, Lama Zalmutar for mitzvahs, person should always engage in Torah mitzvahs, even without the right intent. Should we tell Shalashma, Balashma, you do it with the wrong intent, Lamaisa, you come with the right intent. Where do we learn this from? Shabbat Shalom, Kabbalah, Shabbat Shalom, Kabbalah, Shabbat know, Balak offered 42 Karbanos. Remember, Bilam is trying to get Balak to, to, to curse the people. So, I'm sorry, to... Bilam wants to curse them. He wants, he wants Balak to set up all the, all the Mizbechos in the places and bring Karbanos to help him. So there were 42 Karbanos that, that happened. And he helped all this, you know, would, would help Bilam help that all the Karbanos Balak, Balak would bring would help him curse. So obviously the Karbanos that Balak was bringing are not Lishma. But Lamaisa, what did he do? He brought Karbanos to Hashem. Zachav Rus. He had this Rus um, of having Rus to set up him. Remember Rus? Who's the, the, the matriarch for, for, for Mashiach and David Amalek comes from the link, the Moab. She was the daughter of the son of Eglon, who was the king of Moab. So Eglon is the grandson of Balak. So we see that Rus descends from Balak. So Akti Gemar, we get to Lot and his daughters. So there were two daughters the older daughter and the younger daughter. Who rewards for everything, even speaking in a refined way. Meaning, every single thing Hashem calculates, even including the way a person speaks. You would say, oh, class, dignity, okay, small thing. No, Hashem rewards specifically for the way a person speaks there. Where do we see this? The older daughter called her son Moab. What does Moab mean? From the dad. In other words, she, she explicitly used the story in the way she named her son, which is pretty... Pretty gross, right? She called him from the father. What does Hashem say about the land of Moab? About the people of Moab? Hashem told Moshe, don't harass them and don't fight with them. We're not allowed to, to, to battle with them. We're allowed to afflict them. Meaning, with Moab, we just can't kill them. We can afflict them. We have no isser. We could treat them wrong. It's just that we can't battle with them. The younger daughter who was more at more dignity, and she just said, Ben Ami, the son of my people, which didn't expose it, was, it was more with more class and dignity. There, when Hashem spoke to Moshe, he said, Don't even start up with them, meaning, don't have any contempt with them whatsoever. So we see that we don't afflict Ammon at all, so it's more um, delicate to them. What's the shot? Why are we nicer to Ammon than we are to Moab? The Territ is because Moab is punished for calling their child Moab, whereas Amun is rewarded 
for calling it uh, Abba. One more point. A person should always run to do a mitzvah as soon as possible. Who went first? The older daughter. So she got rewarded because she did the mitzvah, again, with pure intentions. She did it one night earlier. And that's Khar that she did it first. What happened? Top of Aleph. She had her, uh, she had her descendants reach the throne of Klal Yisrael four generations before. Why? What does this mean? We have Ovad, Yishai, David, and Shlomo all came from the older daughter. Four generations passed when the older daughter had kings of Klal Yisrael before eventually the younger daughter did. What was the first descendant that the younger daughter had? Rechavan. Rechavan was the son of Shlomo. Eventually, um, Eventually, that's the first. That's the first descendant from uh, from from Ammon. And the way that comes, that came through his mother. His mother, the Rechavim's mother, was Nama, and that was an Ammon person. So it took Ammon four generations of catch up to get a good person into into Klal Yisrael. Whereas Moab had it four generations earlier. So it's very interesting. What's the Gemara saying? Because the older daughter went first, therefore she was rewarded, and she had kings in Klal Yisrael before the younger daughter. So I always thought that it's very interesting if you put the two Gemaras together. Why? We just learned the Gemara that the older daughter, like who's better, the older daughter or the younger daughter? What's your takeaway? The first Gemara says that the, that the, the younger daughter is better because she has more class and dignity. She says, Amun. The older daughter says, Moab. And we saw what the Gemara says, right? There's a punishment for that. That Moab, therefore, is, uh, we're allowed to start up with them, even though we don't make war. We punish the older daughter. Mitzacheni, we reward the older daughter because she went first. So if you, if you look at it, it's two sides of the same coin. There's two types of personalities. There's the type of personality that's brazen and rash and jumps into something, but at the same time, they're going to say it the way it is, right? So Moab goes first, she jumps into it, but she'll also name her child Meaf. The younger daughter, she holds back, she waits, she doesn't, doesn't jump to do this. At the same time, she's more classy in the way that she refers to it. So it's kind of just like ends up an apple and an orange in terms of which one is better, which one is worse. There's no, there's no clear conclusion. It's just there's, there's two different sides of that personality.